0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Finnovate Podcast. We're continuing our conversations with the Finnovate Europe Best of Show winners. These are the companies who are on stage in London back in March. And today I'm talking with Thomas Braun, the head of international sales at FinShape, who took home one of those trophies. Thomas, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Greg. Good to be here. Excellent. So as I mentioned, all of those videos from the show are available at finnovate.com. But for anybody who hasn't seen your video so far, can you give us just a quick overview of what FinShape is all about?
1: Absolutely, Greg. Yes. Um, So FinShape is a new brand in the digital banking market. It has come about with the merge from two companies, BSC Banking Software Company and WAP, uh, recently actually end of last year. With the combined force of these two companies, FinShape now has about 700 people uh, with 100 banking clients across the globe as, as clients and partners across pretty much four continents. So we're very proud to have built this digital powerhouse and we're looking to do a lot more, of course, in shaping the future of digital banking.
0: Yeah, and I mean, your story has been really interesting. For people who don't know, uh, this is a group who's been on stage at Finovate Europe many times through many different names. And one of the things that I've always thought was fascinating, you, know, you guys have been focusing on this idea that personalization is key for a positive banking experience. And if you can go back all the way to you know, 2012 or 2013, you were talking about it then. Why is this such an important piece of the bank-customer relationship in your eyes? Yes indeed Greg we've been saying this for a good 10 years if not more now
1: but but obviously we we think it is crucially important but just to maybe tell a story at uh, Finovate right so recently we had the great event again face to face in London and at the end of uh, one of the days of course there is a is a network or networking session a reception and Greg I don't know about you but I wouldn't want to walk up to someone and just say that I hear that your kids are behaving so badly as well, right? So that would be very awkward. And people normally don't do that in a, in a networking session. Now, however, if you walk up to, to a group of people and then you flow into the conversation, you start talking about who you are and you ask them who they are. Maybe they have kids. Maybe what did they do in the weekend last weekend when it was really sunny. Uh, then they tell you about their family slowly, slowly. And then you have a conversation. And after about five minutes, if you got two teenage sons you probably will eventually hit the topic of how teenagers behave right and you might you might resonate with that person and that person might open up slightly and start talking about how difficult it is to manage two teenage sons when it's raining outside and they inside and they can't get away from the ipads um and then you and then you Go deeper into the topic and in the end you actually will hear the sentence that oh my kids are behaving so badly and i fully understand that yours as well right but the difference between the two is that you that you know the nuances you started asking the questions you discover that person the family background of that person so basically everything else which we call discovery understanding personalization Uh, in the banking world to 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 make a parallel with this you don't want to see your bank coming into your email box or inbox and say that I've got this great loan for you. I know you can't afford it. So here's a loan, buy whatever you want, right? That's the same thing as walking up to a group of people asking them how badly your kids are behaving. Um, so I think that is why we think that in the digital world, personalization is just as important. As a bank, you need to understand customers first. Have the conversation digitally. Look at the data. Look at what they have. Look at how they're spending money. What is the spending pattern? What is it that interests them? Then as a bank, you can have a meaningful conversation, maybe in a financial advice, maybe then a proposition to that customer. And indeed, that customer is much more receptive to open up, to engage, and eventually to accept that offer from the bank. If you do it the same way, as you would do this in a normal face-to-face networking session. So I think that's why personalization is important.
0: Yeah, no, it's amazing sometimes when you think about it from that context. We do things in the banking arena that would be considered very rude in any other walk of life. And if you ask somebody that question without getting to know them, there's a strong possibility they're going to react negatively. That's not your business. You don't know me. But if you take that time to understand them. You can get to it in a more organic way. And all of a sudden, they're going to be much more receptive to whatever message you have. I think that's a great way to put it as a side note. I, I do have two sons. I live in Seattle. So I'm very familiar with the challenge of keeping them occupied On a rainy day, it is for real. But that's not uh, the point of this conversation. So, let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, how far you guys have come. Obviously, a lot more is possible now than it was five or ten years ago, and it's amazing how much different things look from your platform than we saw you initially. Can you talk about some of the new advancements in the industry at large that have helped you to push forward as far as you have? Because certainly there's more data, more ways to parse that data than ever before.
1: It, exactly. And I think the, to the more data point, um, obviously, you know, across the world, but especially here in Europe, we have seen the advancements of open banking. So it has you know, some people might argue it has become mainstream. We we do believe it has. We have seen the use cases. We have seen these case studies from financial institutions that indeed open banking opens up the possibilities. And within open banking, of course, you've got a much more holistic view of customers' data, what, what they do, what they have, what sort of financial services they consume, And with open banking, I I think it gave us the opportunity to understand customers in a much more holistic way. So that was not possible before this or even before the ecosystem players started providing and and developing interesting use cases. So I think I would mention that as as one of the advancements which has enabled us as, as, as a company to look at data and to even do more, provide more use cases from that data. And I would also say that partially because of this, embedded finance is is now very hot and mainstream. So you could see different use cases and scenarios, which enables financial institutions to provide their services and their products in a way that it's embedded in an experience. And it isn't a banking experience. It is an everyday life experience, like an e-commerce, you're purchasing something, You're, you're thinking of traveling. And you suddenly, you don't go to your bank to get a loan for your travel. It is there already when you want to purchase your tickets, your flights, your hotels. They provide you a checkout process where embedded finance exists in that process. And I think, again, this is looking at data. This is looking at personalization. What is relevant for that customer? And I think that, again, was not possible probably five, ten years ago when we started at Finnovate. Yeah. Uh, ages,
0: ages now, yes. Yeah, no, I think that's an interesting one as well. So one I just want to follow up with, you know, you talked about open banking. This is obviously something that's quite different in the U.S. versus the European market. And I think we're starting to see a lot of benefits from open banking beyond the initial scope of the legislation that passed however many years ago. Now, we're seeing this kind of ripple effect of ways that people can take what's possible here and, and really create some amazing customer experiences. How much do you think you know? The U.S. is being held back by not having something along those lines, like GDPR, like they have in, or uh, sorry, PSD two, uh, like they have in in Europe.
1: Yeah, I think um, I think luckily you guys have companies like like the Plates and Amex uh, who actually provide services like this. Um, however, I think what may be slightly different in Europe is that we see a quite burgeoning ecosystem uh, built around open banking or on top of open banking who have uh, these guys have built use cases which would allow you to for example judge affordability of a financial product based on your open banking data across different accounts you you hold with different banks um and i think you know you could argue that this ecosystem has been around in the european scene for a while and then now recently you started to see that they actually did tangible things as well, which the mainstream people started using too. I think also to some extent, uh, at least in certain banks, the culture has changed. So they started taking open banking, not just as a compliance issue and tick the box and done, because we were forced to do by the regulators, but they started seeing the opportunity. And I think that's partially down to the culture change in some of these banks that, hey, actually, I can maybe discover new revenue streams from open banking. It is not easy. I know, I know Anna Bowden from Starlink Bank argues against this, that this hasn't really happened to the extent it should have happened. Uh, so there are, of course, uh, believers and non-believers in this, but I think the road is right. And, and I think we need to go on this road because there's a lot of opportunity there. Uh, it is maybe not easy. Uh, we need to convince people, but hopefully that regulation which exists in Europe, the GDPR, would provide that that assurance, that credibility to this whole story, to everyday people on the street, that this is legitimate, um, you can trust the, the framework, it's legally backed, and if you've got uh, any kind of grievance, then you can turn to your financial institutions, it will be resolved. I think that's a yeah. positive
0: thing. Yeah, and no, I think it's a really good point, the idea that you know people were kind of forced into it, but the culture change, I think, I, I certainly have seen evidence of that myself that there are people who are looking at this as, you know, what can I actually do? If I'm forced to take on board some painful processes, can I get something positive out of that at the end? And I think there clearly are people who have been able to do that and hopefully more of that's to come. I wanna switch gears a little bit because one of the other things that stuck out with your demo this time was you're focusing on these kind of really short, insightful customer interactions, these sort of 10-second snapshots. Can you talk a little bit more about that and how you decided that was the best way to engage with consumers? Absolutely. I mean, we we started paying attention, of course, to
1: personal finance and to engage customers uh, with their money ages ago. And I think the biggest hurdle we have seen was that some people are just not in the mind to do this. So it's a Friday afternoon you're going down to the pub to have a drink. The last thing I really want is, is to start budgeting for the weekend, how much I can spend, right? People don't do that. The majority of the people don't do that. So it is, it is a big challenge for financial institutions to actually engage customers and, and try to incentivize to develop healthy financial habits. Um, and we thought that Instagram with the story concept, and of course, a lot of other social applications after that, um, have managed to engage people clearly, right? So you open up Instagram, I don't know how many times a day, versus your mobile banking up how many times a week, if you're lucky. Um, But because Instagram has these features like stories, which are interesting, it's effortless. It is not a burden on you, even on a Friday afternoon, to look at an Instagram story, it's somewhat even entertaining. So we tried to take the so- same concept and, and apply that to the financial stories. I can, I can provide a specially curated story or five, 10 second story uh, to a customer where it's something interesting. It's certainly relevant and not boring. It's not the same thing every day, every week. It's something new. It's maybe it's somewhat, it's entertaining. Maybe it's informative. And every now and then, it will be a cautionary story to say that you really need to now pay attention to this because I can explain what happens if you don't and that's not going to be good for you. So kind of draw attention to the to some, some of the stories where they, people really need to pay attention. And I think using this format, using the simplicity of the stories, actually works with customers. That's that's we believe is the, dare I say, the holy grail to ask them to pay a little bit of an attention to your finances, because trust us on the long term, if you develop these healthy financial habits, it's financially beneficial for you as a customer. And I think that's, yeah. that's, that's,
0: that, that's, that's really the, the, the concept behind the stories. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really interesting. It's obviously so reflexive in so many of us now. You just kind of open it up and tap the top and see what's up there. It does not take a lot of time. Um, I think one of the other things that I really like about this is the idea that you can really make significant changes to your financial habits if you just take it you know, 10 seconds at a time. It kind of breaks down. Some people look at this from a very uh, daunting standpoint where if I have to get my financial house in order, that can seem like a monumental task. It really doesn't have to be. It's really just a series of making minor adjustments, making the right decisions at the right moments, and having that information kind of top of my, or literally top of the page, I think will make a really big difference. Absolutely. And I, and I think, you know, it, there's a science behind this as well,
1: right? So the power of habits. Yeah. If, you, if you look at these stories, maybe just once or twice a day, and you don't even need to do this daily. Um, after five or six times of looking at the stories, you will develop a habit of looking at these stories. And if the stories have actually meaningful, useful content, then you already won something at least, yeah. right? Uh, so it's, it's, the, it's trying to actually influence and develop these habits with customers. That is the ultimate goal of this. To, And then later on, of course, what content you serve to these customers is completely up to the bank. It could be a a simple notification that you need to file your taxes because the deadline is coming up. So don't forget that. And then we we'll even show you what you need to file because we, we maybe we run your, your um, accounts for that. Um, so, again, I think the, the the power of habits is is very important here in this concept of money stories.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think it's also just how this is huge. There's a huge disconnect between the amount of help and support that are available to most financial institution customers, versus how well-supported they feel. The information that you guys are talking about is nothing groundbreaking. It's not anything that's gonna make any um, personal finance guru sit up and say, wow, I never thought of that. But it's just presented to them in a way where it's more accessible, it's easier. And a lot of the people that I know and I talk to who feel like they don't get the support they need from their financial institution, I kind of ask them, well, what have you tried? Like, where are you trying to get that information from? And many of them, it's a Google search It's, you know, somebody who's a you know, a celebrity somewhere telling them, here's how you can manage your finances. And they're willing to take that advice. But at the same time, I'm like, you guys know that your banks actually want you to do well. Your banks want you to be a healthier customer and they have resources for you. But they just don't know that. They aren't aware of that because nobody's ever gotten them in front of them in a way that has been, uh, re- that has resonated with them. And so that's where I really think this massive disconnect is uh, something which we're starting to see companies like yourselves who are working on this and helping to raise people's financial profiles, but um, there's still a lot more work to be done. Well, uh, we're we're out of time here. This has been a really interesting conversation. And again, I would highly recommend checking out their demo video. We've been talking with FinShape. Their demo video is available at finnovate.com or on the Finnovate YouTube channel. Uh, take a look, see what we're talking about here. And Tomas, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much, Greg. It's, like I said, it's good to be here always. And we'll see you next time. I'm sure you got to keep it going 10 years and going strong. We'll do. We'll do. Excellent. Cheers. Cheers. Bye.